The Spin-Off Podcast Network. Are you making the most of your KiwiSaver investment? Generate is an award-winning KiwiSaver provider with a track record of strong long-term performance. Making a smart decision now could add tens of thousands of dollars by the time you reach retirement. Book a no-obligation chat with a Generate KiwiSaver advisor today at generatekiwisaver.co.nz slash advice. A copy of the product disclosure statement is available at generatekiwisaver.co.nz. The issuer of the scheme is Generate Investment Management Limited and, of course, past performance does not guarantee future returns. Ready to rediscover the joys of cycling? With over 300 kilometres of cycle paths across Tamaki Makoto, jumping on your bike and going for a ride is such a fun way to discover the city from a different perspective. Cycling is getting more and more popular across Auckland, so now's a great time to join the hype and give cycling a go. Head to at.govt forward slash cycling to find your nearest cycleway today. Nair is public interest journalism funded through New Zealand On Air. Manawa mai ye a te kāhui o matāriki, manawa mai ye a te whetū tapu o te tau. Kia ora, nau mai ki tēnei kōna ipurangi ki a nē. Ko te kuru o te maramadius tēnei o Ngāti Porau o Ngāti Rangitihi, e tangi atu nei ki o tātou mate, e mihi atu nei ki a koutou kwatu hono maira. Welcome to Nē. My name is Te Kuru Dews, I'm in the driver's seat today for this matāriki special. Today it's my pleasure to host artist Nico Hinden of Ngaitupoto Te Rarawa e Ngāpuhi. Nico is a maker of oute who works with natural earth pigments. He mahi tukuiho te oute. It was a practice brought here by our tipuna who using their vast knowledge of celestial navigation sailed the Moananuiakiwa from Hawaii and eventually made Aotearoa their home. Although at some point the practice of oute was discontinued. Nico has spent the past decade dedicated to remembering and reinvigorating the practice of Ote in Aotearoa. It revolves around the life cycle of the plant, from growing and harvesting to processing the inner bark and creating a fine cloth. Nico has taken on the responsibility of holding wānanga and teaching this knowledge to a new generation of makers. She works intimately with plants and tools that also come from the natural environment and aligns her practices with the Maramataka, the Māori Stellar Lunar Calendar. Her pieces are born from Māori conceptions of time and space. Her star maps record the rising and setting of stars like Matariki, Puanga and Rehua on the horizon, and come from the navigational system of the star compass. She uses her maps as mnemonics to record the movement of stars in relation to the Stellar Lunar Calendar, and tracks their seasonal changes. One big change coming up for us in Aotearoa, which is not far from happening, a significant historical moment as we rotate towards the acknowledgement of Matariki and what will be the first Indigenous public holiday in the world. An official hotapu ceremony facilitated by the Minister for Crown Relations in conjunction with Te Papa and attended by the Prime Minister and Dr Rangima Tamua, Chair of the Matariki Advisory Group, who are behind this big push to see our traditions around Matariki and Māori astronomy recognised by the Crown for the benefit of all New Zealanders. Nico will be on a panel of artists that morning of the Hotapu ceremony, which will be broadcast live, where the artists, including Maisie Rika, Irana Kōpu and Tyrone Ohia, will discuss how they incorporate Matariki into their mahi. After the break, I'll be joined by our manuhiri and my two co-hosts, Nareira e Huama. Kia moutonu atura.
No mai anō ko Pirinei o ku hoa mahi a rā ko Leone Hayden rāwa ko Mariana Johnson tēnā kōrua. Kia ora, kia ora. E nā koe hoa. And we extend our mihi to our manuhiri Nico Hinden. Nico, my darling, tēnā koe. Welcome to the party. <laughs> tēnā koutou. Kia ora hoa. Nā kai kōrero o ne o tira tēnā tātou e hui hui mai nei ki te whakarongo ki tēnei kōna e ipurangi. Try and stay on course. <laughs> Tell us, Nico, Maramataka, Stella Lunar Calendar, how does that relate to your own mahi? <laughs> well, I think actually it doesn't just relate to my mahi, it relates to all of our mahi and, and um, the way that we, yeah, that, the way that we interact with our natural environment every day. But um, I think I became interested in the Stella Lunar Calendar after reading Rangi Matamo's book, uh, Matariki, and uh, realizing that Matariki is just one of the significant morning stars that we use to kind of track time, and that there are so many other stars um, to learn about that are associated with every new month or new moon, moon cycle. So I make these star maps and use my star maps to document when the stars rise, when these morning stars rise and um, and where they are on the horizon and kind of just adding to my kite of, of knowledge, which originally came from learning about the star compass. So Yes. <laughs> and where did that take place? Where did you learn about Star Compass? I learned about the Star Compass when I was in Hawaii and I was lucky enough to be uh, surrounded by uh, the apprentice navigators on the Waka Hokulea. And so just by hanging around with, with them, with those apprentice navigators and watching them study for their long voyages to Tahiti, I kind of... <laughs> just absorbed all the different the different our different stars and the stories that they have and where they rise on the horizon and how they use our fetu to find direction and that's how just by watching them <laughs> study using um stellarium and um they make kind of like graphs to help them remember the stars and depending on which time what time of the year they they're going on their voyage, you know, they'll record those specific stars. And so that's how I came up with my star map system. Um, and then coming back to Aotearoa, I had to learn all of our Māori names for the stars, and uh, which was really awesome. Then through teachers like Rangi Matamua, I realised that I used to call them, you know, we have our voyaging stars, our, our navigation stars, and then we have our land stars. Uh which are the stars associated with the Maramataka. But then I realised that <laughs> our star knowledge probably came originally from our Maramataka knowledge and our awareness of, of just where the stars were and where they were going to rise on the horizon at different times of the year. So, you know, we think that <laughs> the Maramataka is just about the moon but it's so much more. It's actually just about everything. And it's actually just about telling the time and knowing what time it is helps you like locate yourself in time and space. And because we use the Gregorian calendar system, you know, and colonization has taken away our own ability to tell time in a Maori way. And I think that 
<laughs> that's like the most powerful thing is is having that connection to time and space. And if you take that away from from a people, then you're you're taking away um, their connection with the with the environment, with with the taiao, with the whenua, but also with the stars. And I, I that's the most important thing to me is is just being able to reclaim that mātauranga because I don't think that it's something that was just for like our tohunga. I think that, you know, everyone knew what day it was, you know, like this was mātauranga for the common person. <laughs> what was happening and what moon phase it was was just like just everyday knowledge. It's a yeah, method of survival there. Yeah. You know what to eat because you have to eat. <laughs> exactly. I'm really curious. I mean, ātahua to mahitoi, but it's not just beautiful <laughs> mahitoi. It's a map, yeah? Mm. So, I, I mean, we're, we're not using a visual medium right now. This is a podcast. Um, <laughs> ingari, um, are you able to explain to us how a star map works? Yeah, so basically it's just a two-dimensional version of our star compass. And the star compass is uh, comes from the idea of you're on your waka in the middle of the ocean you can't see any land and there's a horizon 360 degrees around you. So it's, so it's a three-dimensional framework and, and that horizon is divided into 32 star houses and every star house is 11 and a quarter degrees. Within those star houses, there's north, south, east and west and then there's seven star houses be- between those. And Kote Whakaaro is that Stars live in those houses and then they rise from the east, those eastern houses, and then they set and they go back to their same house in the opposite horizon on the west side. And, and so if you memorize where those different stars rise and set, then when you see those stars on the horizon, like Totoru, um, Orion's about rises exactly due east. So if you see Totoru low on the horizon, like we will in the morning of Matariki we can be pretty sure that that's east. Um, and then same for if we see it on the western horizon, um, close, yeah, close to the horizon. So basically my star map is like a two-dimensional representation of that 3D model. And I do nihotanifa at the base of my star maps to represent the different star houses. And then I have a line that represents the horizon. And then I have vertical lines. Uh, and, and each vertical line represents a star and and exactly where they rise on the horizon and they have different uh, like for example Matariki has nine niho on it because it's got nine fetu and then Totoru has three because it's got three well you know kind of three fetu. Where do you uh, conceptualize yourself when you're at the beginning of a project you talked about locating yourself within time and space do you uh, imagine that you're out on a waka in the middle of uh, the Pacific Ocean or, you know, do you do any visualisations like they go and stand at the beach and, and look at the fetu in the morning? I walk every morning um, with my kuri and I walk along uh, Wainui and, yeah, I, I, lo- I locate myself where I am, which is in Te Tairawhiti, fortunately, and so I get to see a big, you know, eastern horizon and so a lot of my work yeah, I I visualize it as being the eastern horizon with the fetu rising up out of it out of the horizon here. Beautiful. I love your corridor around time and space, and something I'm trying to 
decolonize myself, even just saying things like, oh, you know, feeling that tomaha because of the end of the year. Mm. And some people look at me funny like, what, end of the year? I'm like, yeah, it's the end of the year and I know. In what way has your work changed how you perceive time? I think it's made me more, you know, I pay attention to, of course, which phase of the moon we're in and I'm always looking at our payao, so I'm looking at the ocean every day and noticing the relationship and how the ocean has changed um, depending on the on the on the moon phase. And you would be surprised with how kind of consistent the ocean behaves um, at at certain moon phases. Yeah. So yeah. And do you use it in your own sort of marakai and like knowing when to plant and when yeah you know when's wahohake and yes. Um, especially with my um, mahi ote, um, I always try and harvest in rakonui. So that's when the sap is the cells are the most juiciest, and so that they're the easiest to kind of process and clean when um, the plants are harvested in rakonui. And then even just annually, I try and do all my harvesting and processing in the first four months of the year, in the summertime, and then tēnei wāote. Or takurua, I mainly am inside painting because... <laughs> Because it's you're not not really supposed to harvest the, the oyster te plant during winter because the 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 kitty or tevako kind of like clings to the. Would it make it hard to strip? Yeah, it makes it really really tough. Yeah, <laughs> it's telling you it doesn't want to come off. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's just very resistant. A lot of people hit you up for commissions and they request dates and you put those as star maps. Is that something you do, or and what sort of dates do they ask for? I sometimes do, I do the birth the birth date of someone so I can like make them a star. Like when your baby was born, you can figure out what their latitude, so where they were on in the horizon and then the time of their birth. And you can, I can paint them as a star. And so I did um, my great, my, oh, my grandmother, Te Ao Karere, who I actually never got to meet, um, but I did her birthday as a representation of her, like a self of a portrait of her. But I also would do my brother's grandfather passed away, and so I'll also I'll do a summit for him, which and which will represent, you know, the way fits with Anitia here. I reckon you're gonna get so many requests now <laughs> after this. Yeah, my bad. My bad. Yeah. <laughs> it's like you're not busy enough, eh? <laughs> yeah, I don't really do commissions very often anymore. <laughs> nice one, Tikaru. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you talk about Matariki as a opportunity for others, like myself mm. and uh, New Zealanders. As, a, as an opportunity or as a learning device, as a mm. portal, as a gateway. Can you expand on that? Yeah, I think your matariki is an is a amazing opportunity for us to learn more about our matauranga Māori and astronomy and to learn about all the other stars that are in our sky and to think about or realise that what is in our sky is also reflected in the land and that um, there's so many connections to what's happening with our fetu. Um, in terms of, you know, predicting the weather, you can you can predict a storm coming and 
things like that, by looking at how the stars um, are, how, how much they twinkle, I think we just <laughs> think that they all they look the same all the time, but, you know, you can just observe them and, and see that they don't look the same every every night and that sometimes they are, you know, going off a bit more or they're a bit brighter or they're not as bright and, and that, yeah, Matariki is a significant cluster for us but there's also um you know like there's Pipiti. Pipiti is the first month of our Māori lunar year and Pipiti is actually a star the star Hamal and then Takuru is the second month of the year and that star is Sirius and so these you know our tupuna would observe would wake up 4 30 probably or like super early in the mm-hmm. morning and observe the rising of these different morning stars and that would be how they would, you know, take a reading or, you know, be like, oh, this is this is the time that we're in now by using the stars. And there's lots of um, other stars, not just Matariki, that, that we used to tell time. Which star rising or appearing was used to signal the start of, um, like, the harvest? He aro matawai. He I'm doing an assignment and I was like, I'm going to ask you. Yeah, I'm not sure because, I mean, I think that depends on, well, because... Oh, oh, where you are, ne? Yeah, well, I mean, I know that Uncle Tom down in um, Kahunganu, he plants his kumara the first week, the second weekend after, oh no, the first full moon after Labor Weekend all the stuff and he like lines them up with the maunga and the awa and the stars, um, the pattern that he plants. And yeah, and so I, I do think it is specific to your location. I, I mean, everything, that's what we're learning um, definitely is that, that, yeah, like I was up north a couple of weeks ago and the, just the whole, your whole, um, what you see is so different being on the west coast and having the, um, you know, the, Hokianga right there and then the mountain ranges so you can't the eastern horizon is obscured so that's why they use puanga instead of matariki and everything's just local yeah but as yeah but as my dad always says to me now is that everything's changing so quickly the weather is becoming much more erratic and difficult to predict so yeah it's a bit it's a bit of a funny time I think for us you know, we're getting back into learning about these systems, mm. which are kind of almost like no longer systems because they're no longer consistent yeah. because of climate change. So, so if we had, you know, and so, sometimes there are people who have maintained that that knowledge or observed these changes, but it would would be a lot easier to track the kind of decline in biodiversity if we. Knew, knew all of the Aye. patterns. Mm. Imagine if everyone was paying attention. If our knowledge transmission wasn't disrupted. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Are you excited for your corridor for the panel next week? Um, yeah, I'm a bit nervous. It'll be it'll be a, a beautiful hotapu. It'll be really awesome to to wake up at four thirty in the morning and. Um, <laughs> you can't wait. <laughs> yeah, be in Pornick and um, sunny Wellington. Yeah, I think it will be really cool and really special to observe the way that, you know, tikanga is, occurs through in this haitapu process will be really interesting. 
to, to heal the karakia and to hopefully smell the kai, smell, see the steam rising up. For our listeners that don't and might not know what hautapu is, do you want to just explain to us what that, what that ceremony is? Yeah, I'm not probably the best person to explain, but it is celebration of matariki by offering kai to matariki. And the way I visualise it is the steam going up and, and matariki receiving those fruits of, of um, the harvest. And that's why you have all the different kai. Um, you know, you have the tuna and the kumara and you also have ika and kereru. Um, we probably won't have kereru. Yeah, I was like, oh, where are we getting the kereru from? <laughs> you might have a hey, hey. Uh, yeah. yeah, we used to have hey, hey. At um at our kura, we used to do smoke fish and smoke smoked eel and hey hey and kumara and those are our kai that we made offerings with. And they all connect back to different fetu, right? So like tabuanuku is your kumara, um, waiti. I hope I'm not going to mess this up. Is no waitas salte, oh, yeah. so that's where you get an eka, yeah. And waiti mm-hmm. is something like tuna, tuna mm-hmm. and which, what does hey hey connect back to? Tupuarangi. Supposedly uh, tupuarangi, but they don't really fly, do they? So <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, it doesn't really make sense. <laughs> they don't really um, occupy the trees either. So. We're just su- substituting <laughs> yeah. for now until now we get our populations back back up. I've seen a chicken in a tree before. <laughs> titi. Titi, yeah, titi. Titi would be great. Yeah. I'm sure the Atua would, would like that. Good. Totally. What are some of the basics, I think, before we start to wrap up? What are some basics for people that you can give today? People like me who, you know, as hard as we might try, some of it just doesn't stick. Yeah, I think the best thing to remember is that um, stars like the sun rise in the east and set in the west. Um, That we have to remember about where we are on the globe and we're very low. Our latitude is quite low, so that means that we see, you know, Mahutonga and Atutahi, which is um, the Southern Cross in Canopus, and there's circumpolar, so they, they, they never set. They go in a circle, and we can see the South Celestial Pole, which is the celestial version of the South Pole. And just, I think, you know, when you watch Rehua rise and Te Matawa Maui rises, like, on its back, the fish hook rises on its back, but the way that it will set will be different. So that, yeah, our, our stars, they rise in a certain way, but because of where we are located, they kind of move around and the Milky Way kind of all moves around us in a really interesting way. And so I think if you notice, you know, even even at, in the summertime, which is usually the time where we're outside and looking at the stars, you'll you'll be able to see Matariki at that time and just to take note and be like, oh, look, there's Matariki. And mat- we can see Matariki at, at the, in the summertime, but we can't see Matariki uh, sort of in autumn around um, May, even April in Te Tairawhiti, we can't really see Matariki um, because it's already set. And so just to be aware that... <laughs> The stars are always moving around us and try and work out where they are at, like when you see them and what time of the year that is. And then you can kind of put together a, 
a picture and, and I guess a good another good basic one is that Matariki and Rehua are always opposite each other. So the cluster of Matariki and so if they're rising on the eastern horizon, then on the western horizon, Rehua and uh, so the Te Matawa Maui is setting because they're kind of opposite to each other. Did you get all that, Miriana? Basics. I actually was taking notes. Good thing is we can listen back to this. <laughs> it's just about trying to just learn about it <laughs> because it connects us back to, you know, Aotearoa and um, and it makes us more aware of like where we are because because you know when you, you when even when I go up north and you're like wow the stars are so different here and you and and even. When you go to the west coast, it just feels everything feels so much different because the way the sun moves across the sky, and just to notice those things is really important because that that affects the, the land and the people and all of that. I think at some point in your corridor, I just got stuck on the image of the stars moving around us, and I was like, "Feel okay. like <laughs> it's such a it's a beautiful but buzzy concept day." Eh? Yeah, the stars are still there even when the sun's up. Why? Even if you live yeah. in Te Taone Nui and you can't see the stars because of all the light pollution, they're still there. Yeah, 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 yeah. Just turn yeah. off your lights. That's what I really um, grapple with, Mediana, and I think once I crack that, <laughs> and I think that's the ongoing yeah. mission is to understand how we move as a planet mm. and where we are on the on Aye. the whenua and how the stars or how we move within the galaxy, yeah, as opposed Aye. to... Um, stars rising and setting, which is the metaphoric way of understanding it. But, yeah, I'm always – when I was in China, I felt lost there eh, because I looked up in the rangi and I didn't recognise any of the stars. The moon was looked way different. I'm like, nah, this is <laughs> <laughs> what's going on here. So, yeah, it's imperative mm. for us to yeah. try and get an understanding. You can feel way more grounded, I think, for myself mm. when I know, oh, yeah, there's Tautoru. It was there today or last night and here it is. You know, tonight, so. Aye, Anna. How to moimoya pāna ki mahi? What's your vision for mahi aute in Aotearoa? I think my vision has always been to adorn the inside of uh, Arenui um, because, I mean, because, I, well, being from up north and not having many, many fuddy that have our visual language, you do, you do, I do really long for it and I think I would love to put Ote uh, on the walls. One of the reasons my visual language comes from tukutuku is because the subject matter of my mahi is about our fetu and as Rangi Mātāmua says, tango tango and wainui who are the parents of our whānau marama, they made a wharenui and that wharenui was called Hui Te Ora and the stars were the tukutuku panels and that's why our tukutuku look like our stars basically or also reference our alfitu. and so I would love for my ote to be on the inside of, of a wharenui but also to be, you know, on the stage of Te Matasini one day would be amazing oh, um, in people's hair um, just as adornment, just as like little adornments, but to deck out a whole um, couple would be really cool. 
I love that about our toy Māori, that the uh, the relationship with the materials is so intimate and respectful. You're not buying a canvas and painting on it. You're, you know, you're saying you're karakia and you're cutting down a rako for your whakairo or you're harvesting the bark for your oti. And then t- what's the process mm. after that? There's a beating process that is what eventually turns it into the paper, Ned. That looks really like physically quite hard. Yeah, yeah, it, it is. You have to be quite strong, but it's it's not it's not a violent beating. <laughs> it's, it's a methodical, um, very intentional um, beating where you're just focusing on spreading the fibres evenly. And and yeah, and, and the first beat is is very physical and um, stripping off the bark is yeah, quite physical, especially if you've got bigger, older trees. But then the second beading process, which is after you soak it in water and ferment it or ret it for you know, four weeks or, or three weeks, and then beating that is another, is another whole process that makes it kind of look totally different. So it's a, it's a real process of transformation from bark <laughs> to, to cloth. And then there's harvesting all of your all of your pigments and and those are, that's about relationships and finding knowledge holders. You must be an incredibly patient person. <laughs> I think I am definitely not the type of person who could do what you do. Um, and do you think though that it, through the process of learning um, your mahi toy that it, you know the OT has taught you patience, or have you always been that way? <laughs> yeah, no, I mean definitely learnt. Um, I've learnt about patience. You you are very humbled. I mean, that it, was very humbling process. You think you are good at something, and then you'll go to a plant, and and it, you, and you just won't be able to do the thing that you thought you were good at. So it's always putting you in your place. <laughs> Can Altair be used for kakahu, or is it a separate sort of thing? Yeah, definitely. Um, in Hawaii, they they make these enormous, beautiful pose skirts for hula and they're like pleated mm. and they look really beautiful when they dance in it. In terms of what we used Ote for, I've read that we did use them for maro. So I'm pretty keen to make Te Kuruwa maro and, and Mokoa maro for when he's doing <laughs> his uhi. Um, yeah, maro. Um, I think that they were used for under, undergarments. Is that what maro is a like type of? Oh, maro is a um, the English word is I don't like the English word. It's it's loincloth is the English word. So <laughs> oh, I, that's what I thought. <laughs> and now we get to imagine te kuru in a loincloth. Thank you <laughs> so much. So yeah, you just wrap it around. It's waved. Yeah. Right. Maro is right. they're cool. It covers the important parts. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> A lot of our brothers and sisters in the island still uh, sail waka with Aye. Aye. Yeah. Anake. Aye. Yeah. It's warm enough in, in those mm, in those ways true. too. But you know. <laughs> Yeah, little old me from the South Island, I'm like, I'm going to get makari do. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Totally. Probably not many maro down there back in the day. <laughs> oh, well, tenakoe Nico, that's all we have time for today. So thank you, tenakoe, your kōrero, me wā mahi. Uh, hi whakarauora i tēnei mahi tukuiho. Arate mahi aute, e mihi ana kia koe. 
Tēnā koutou, um, e mihiana kia koutou. Kia paito matariki. Ai, kia paito koutou matariki. Me koe hoki. Karawe, after the break, Leone, Miriana and I will have a brief korero about our plans for the Māori New Year. Kia mau tonu atura. No mai hoki mai. To round off our kōrero today, we're going to have a little chat about what we're up to to recognise Matariki and the Hautapu. So, e hoama, what are you guys up to? What are, what are some of the things you guys are leaving behind in the old year? Ooh. I spoke to uh, Matua Rereata Makiha and he said that's one of the things they practice up in Te Taitokero. They shut down the old year before they even look at opening up the new oh, year. Yeah. And they let go of redundant things and they put to sleep uh, issues that, or, or projects or what it, things that didn't serve them or didn't work for them, which I think is a really cool oh. whakaaro that we could incorporate. So, yeah, do mm. they like say that, do they sort of wānanga those things together or do they sort of, you know, give them up to the setting for two? That's a good question. I'll be sure to ask them that for part two. <laughs> <laughs> just yell it into the void. But I think both of them work. You can have an internal wānanga, but to sit around and have a group wānanga oh. about what didn't work last year? I mean, it's probably better feedback in the ropu. I'm gonna, I'm letting go of feeling racist narratives. I'm letting go of that in my new year because they don't True. have anything to do with me, and I'm mm. choosing to walk away from feeling any type of way about those kinds of people. Ooh. They don't belong in my ao anymore. Main cool. Not gonna let them take free rent. Aye, exactly. Kicking them out. I'm kicking them out. Too much. Yeah. Just just noise. Zone it out. Aye. Not your radu. Not yours to, to carry and hold. Yeah, because that's their goal, eh, I guess. Yeah, and, you know, it's like yeah. anything, if you ignore it, it goes away. And I'm not saying that, you know, those narratives or people will go away necessarily, but they can go away from my world. I'm walking <laughs> a different path now. Ka pai Mickey. It's very, it's interesting eh, for me this year because naturally, even though only in the last couple years have I come to understand about Matariki and the Matauranga connected to it. I tend to make big life changes around this period anyway. Like last year, I left my partner at the time, <laughs> left my job. Yeah, I did a lot of big changes. But this year, I'm quite uh, settled and really feel like in the latter half of last year, I found the course that I was supposed to be on. Um, and so really I'm kind of trying to pull a lot of that through into this year and just continue my real hiding mm. reclamation of my mātauranga a iwi a hapu. And <laughs> I'm in mean, a small goal of mine uh, to move into, you know, what I'm sending out to Hiwai Terangi, the uh, the fetu of wishes and mm. here, here. Um, I am learning to bake. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Like, it sounds real basic, but I want some practical skills. And it's not basic. It's hard AF, man. It's a Damn. whole science. <laughs> I think it's quite good, though, to fuck a toe because I tend to be quite a rush, busy, frantic person. And, you know, this, what I'm finding is the secret to good baking is follow the <laughs> recipe to the T. Oh. Don't take shortcuts. Yeah. Don't mess it around with it. And mm. you got to take your time with it. Yeah, so. Kapai. Someone else has already gone through the effort of putting it all that uh, work in to put it in a book. Yeah. What about you, Takaru? What are you right. leaving behind? Yeah, from... uh, I think a big learning curve for me 
was learning how to say no. It's pretty cliche <laughs> these days, especially on IG, but learning how to turn down mahi. As someone who's recently joined the world of freelancing, I had a quite a steep learning curve. Uh, it's, it's almost been, it's, it's been about 12 months since I started freelancing and I hit the ground running, uh, saying yes to everything because I was kind of worried that, and I had been told by, you know, friends in the industry, well, when the mahi's on, you just got to take the mahi and you got to go for it. But I think it's much more nuanced than that. <laughs> it's understanding time management and how to uh, maintain energy, knowing what projects serve you as as well as, you know, can help you pay the rent or whatever. So, I'm you know, on I, I've written a, a list uh, recently about like a checklist for myself so I can just be more aware of what the project might offer me and what I can offer the project uh, before diving right into it, before I say yes. So, you know, I can sit down and have a good cordial with people and just so that everyone's on the same page and really just trying to get better outcomes from mahi. And I, I feel like everyone can do that no matter what sort of line of work you're in. So that's really one thing I'm really trying to trying to take into next year and just water as well. Uh, got knocked over by the flu last week. So I've been in bed for a few days mm. and I haven't been this sick. It wasn't COVID, yeah. kind of... Interesting, but apparently it's going around the community. There's a few of my mates who have it as well, and it's knocked them over as well. So it's really just a good time for me to be like, okay, got to get back into training and just try and hopefully that goes, you know, that coincides with with learning and and participating in kurareo and things like that as well. I guess that that holistic old Māori dream is always uh, something that I'm working towards in the background and we get busy in our daily lives, but yeah. That's, that's it for me. Kapai. Mm. I like that these are questions that any anyone from Aotearoa can use to help them understand Matariki, what this this holiday is for. You know, you, it's easy enough to... It, it, the Matauranga is, is deep and wide, so it is not going to be easy for everyone to be able to understand which stars do what and how to, you know, read the tohu of the maramataka. Here I mm. am it is easy enough to understand that at the end of the new year, you can practice these things that are quite mindful, which is letting go of things, wishing for new things, farewelling loved ones that have passed. Like, I think these are really easy ways for New Zealanders to understand what Matariki's for, ne? Mm. Yeah, yeah. And if I'm going to be honest, I need to use it for that as well. We've lost a few people in our whanau. We've had some big events. We had some unveilings, you know, so even though those people have already gone, Matariki is, a, is that time to sort of deal with that. If you're still carrying a lot of that mamai for people that have passed, it's it's a prime opportunity to engage in a hautapu. I've heard of people, you know, it doesn't have to be titi and kumara and your kete. <laughs> I've heard of some whanau that have started off with marshmallows with a little fire at their local mamai. Oh, and, you know, and then the next year they brought kai from the shop. And then the year after they had mara. So we got to take a long-term look. Like this is going to be around forever. Kapai. We've got a few years to get, you know, to get into the groove of it. And I have big aspirations for what it will look like for my tamariki mokopuna. But yeah, using it as a as a way to deal with grief, I think is probably going to be the most beneficial for us as, as whānau. Mm. It's nice to hear you say, because it's something that I've been thinking about a lot, because at the beginning of last year, going by the Gregorian calendar, we had a couple of um, big losses in our whānau too, and definitely still feeling that tomaha. but we're sort of like, well, how do I approach uh, Matariki, you know, because, um, you know, according to the uh, Mātauranga, Pōtukawa has already taken them on, but it's 
you know, it's nice to hear. I mean, I guess that was the corridor of um Rereata. Rereata Makiha. Um, you know, the corridor being that it's just about releasing Tomaha you know, in general. And if you are still carrying that forward, you know, even if you have said goodbye to them, then it's a good time to deal with it. I definitely think that's something that, you know, I'm still carrying a lot of that mamai from those losses. And also been thinking a bit about how to give back to the environment because, you know, this is a time to, you know, the fetu and the maramataka, you know, it's all about our connection to the tile, right? And having lived in the city for like nine years, but finally living back out in you know, ahu whenua in the country, you know, there's a few like cleaning up of awa, cleaning up the beach, which I'm really keen to t- take part of just to, to mihi, mihi back to Papatuanuku and, and really, yeah, just give back essentially, koina, ana. So I feel like that's a cool other way that people um, are looking to celebrate Matariki is, um, you know, go and do a tidy up, go and pick some rapahi mm. up, you know. Kotahi holder doesn't have to be a long time, but that's a way you can give back, I reckon. Yeah, tautoko. And I really hope that that's like an overarching theme that comes through for, especially for everyone listening, that for me, the purpose of this, the re- regeneration of Matauranga Māori is to help people understand a more holistic uh, Māori worldview where we can exist sustainably within our environment. So what Miriana, what you're saying, Eho, is on point. If anything, this should encourage us to be more aware of our environment and our impact upon it and how we can tread lightly uh, and just take care. Because as you know, we're in a crisis. Climate crisis is upon us. And I think especially here because we've just grown up the, the country has grown up with all of our big holidays being from a different country, a different climate, a different whenua. I can really hope that people actually understand that this public holiday is of this whenua, regardless of where you're from. If you live here, we finally get to celebrate something that's ours. It's not Easter or Christmas or any of those other imported holidays. And it's like how Nico was talking about how it helps you place yourself in, in time and space. This is the one mm. holiday we've been given now that places us in this place, in this time. So, can it, you know, look up at the sky and see exactly where you are. You, we don't live in England as much as some <laughs> of our country people would like to think, but we don't. We just don't. We don't live in any other country but here under these fetu. Kia ora. Aye. I've been enjoying some of the corridor online and debate about turning lights off. And, you know, there's been calls for the Poniki, you know, because this, this is the rohi I'm part of, uh, fireworks to be to be cut, which I think is actually, I support that. I think we have to actually, we can't just have a, a Māori holiday and bring these Pākehā ways of celebrating into it. But, you know, everyone loves their fireworks, so... Uh, for anyone who's listening, I don't. Wanna, yeah, yeah. I'm not going to be that guy like rallying against it, but personally, I'm like, oh, why ho? I don't think I'll go. That's quite funny though, because there was heaps of radu when they when the council decided to move those fireworks displays from New Year's to Masariki, and all the racists got mad because <laughs> they were like, "You're taking away all of our traditions." <laughs> <laughs> the old guy folks say. Eh? Yeah. I was just like, I don't have you ever heard of. Christmas and birthdays and Easter and it was a hilarious narrative to me. Like <laughs> our old ways are dying. <laughs> mm. The old ways of yeah. fireworks. Out with the old and in with the older. Hey, <laughs> pie. Exactly. Yeah. Well, I think Ihuama we could go all night, but maybe we should 
leave it there for now. So, tēnā kōrua, co-hosts, Leoni, Meriana, tēnā kōrua i o kōrua, uh, whakāro me o kōrua kōrero i te rane. Shout out to our podcast manager, Te Aihe Butler, doing overtime today. Big mihi to you, studio engineer Jacob Edmonds. You can catch us wherever you get your audio. We'll be back in another couple of weeks with some post-matariki debriefs. Aye. Noho rātura. NAIR is public interest journalism funded through New Zealand On Air and brought to you by the Spinoff Podcast Network. It was hosted and researched by Te Kuru Jews with Mediana Johnson and Leonie Hayden. NAIR was produced by Te Aihe Butler with senior production from Jane Yee and project management from Mark Kelleher. Kia ora e te iwi, Te Aihe Butler here, podcast manager at the Spinoff. If you enjoy listening to our podcasts, consider supporting our mahi by signing up to become a spin-off member at thespinoff.co.nz slash donate. The Spinoff Podcast Network.